Mark chapter 2 tonight, Mark's Gospel chapter 2, it's good to be back, I've really enjoyed the singing every night, tonight was no exception, it's really good, I really like the way the song leader leads, I like to hear him sing, he reminds me of some other guys that I used to like, and I like to hear him, the way he sings the songs are good to me, Mark chapter 2. Verses 1 through 12. I don't know how much preaching I'll get done tonight. I I want to talk to you, and I may preach. Let me uh, be back tomorrow night. Uh, Tomorrow night I promise to be better than it is tonight and probably all the week. So please be back tomorrow night. I've had something on my mind for about a month, and uh, you're going to be the first one to hear it. I guess that's good. Maybe it may not be. I don't know. But tomorrow night. Mark chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. Straight made many were gathered together, insomuch there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. They came unto him with one sickle of palsy, which was born of four, and when he could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof, where he was, and when he had broken it up, then let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoned in their heart, Why doth this man speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye this in your heart? Can you imagine what that would look like? You thought something, and he knows it. Can you imagine what that's like face to face with it? But you know God hadn't changed. God's still God. He knows today what I think, what you think. Right now, God knows. They just were eyeball to eyeball. With him, that would have scared me to death. I would have left. Verse 9 said, Jesus said, Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven, the artist say, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. He's saying, I can do both. No big deal. I can forgive his sin. I can heal him. That's God. He still does that, by the way. Verse 10, But that you may know that the Son of God hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith unto the sick of palsy, I say, arise, take up thy bed, go thy way into the house. He says, hey, look, I can do it. I can do it. Take your bed, roll it up, go home. I can do that. I can forgive sins. He had to see something like I like to do. You know what? Face hard. You've got to trust and believe. And some of us, like me, just trust him blindly to something and trusting somebody. That's not easy for me. It's easy for her, real easy for her. It ain't easy for me at all. Trusting is hard for this old hard-headed man. But you got to look. That's the way it works. It works by faith. It's not by sight. That's what the Bible says. So verse 12, it says, Immediately arose, took up his bed, went forth before them all. I bet it scared them to death and that house emptied in about 30 seconds while he's going home with his bed row under his arm. It says we're all amazed, glorify God's saying, we never saw it on this fashion. We've seen two videos 
two great presentations, as good as I've ever seen, good jobs by two very good missionaries. And we've realized by seeing them tonight and this week, people need the Lord. They really, really, honest to God, need to hear about Jesus Christ. We've seen that and we know that. To me, this picture's in Mark chapter 2, what everybody needs. Jesus came to town. He stayed there a couple, some days, and people came to hear him preach, and he filled the house. Everybody's there to hear the Son of God preach the Word of God. So they're there, but somewhere in town, there's four guys that didn't go. They skipped the meeting. They didn't go. These four guys have a friend. Maybe it's family. Bible doesn't say. I have no idea. But these four guys had something on their heart, and it was that guy in the bed. They said, I believe they were saved. I believe they knew God. And they're saying, let's go get our friend and get him to Jesus Christ. That's what they said. I think all of us need what those four guys had. That's one word. It said in his presentation, it's a burden. You need one, I need one. If I'm ever going to reach Dalton or Georgia or South Carolina or Six Mile or Peru or Chile, if I'm ever going to reach it, God has going to have to give me a burden for people that are lost without God and going to hell. I got to have it. I ain't going to do it. Just that simple. I know enough about human nature. I know that they're not going to do it without a burden. These guys had a burden. You say, what's a burden? I got a great illustration. It's when your 18-year-old son's dying without God and going to hell. That's it. That's a burden. That'll cause you to get out on your knees with your wife and crawl, crawl around furniture because your son's going to hell. That's a burden. That's when you got real close friends that you love like family, and they're going to hell, and you absolutely can't stand it. That's a burden. When you want to go to Peru and Chile, because God's calling you to go, because they're lost, and you've got the burden trying to get that burden to somebody else so you can go. That's a burden. She's got it. They got it. That's a burden. These four guys... They just had to get that guy to Jesus. And they messed up that worship service, by the way. They destroyed that worship service with Jesus preaching. They broke it up, embarrassed everybody there but them four. I love it. That's what ought to happen in most Baptist churches every Sunday morning. Because a lot of them I've been in are as boring as the devil. Boring. Boring. W.A. Criswell, I read a sermon of his about every day. He said a dead, and he pastored First Baptist Church of Dallas for 50 years. Almost a genius. He was so smart. He said a dead, cold Baptist church is an affront to a living God. That's what that old man said. And I believe every word of it. We ought to be the most excited people in the world. We ought to be, Lord help us, we ought to be so tore up with what Jesus has done for us that they couldn't keep us in here. I ain't going to hell. 
that ain't good English, but it are the truth. I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven when I die. Amen. Just because of Jesus. So they have a burden. You have a burden. You need a burden to reach this country and this world with the gospel. Notice this man. He was broken. He was sick. His joints had let loose and he could not walk. He couldn't do anything. He couldn't work. His symptoms, he had the palsy. He was disabled. Daily couldn't work. Couldn't get his own self to God. He was dependent. Somebody to feed him. Somebody to carry him. That sounds awful like, like a sinner. Because the Bible says, yet when we were yet without strength, without strength, Christ died for us. That's what that guy was. He couldn't get himself to Jesus. I didn't want to go to Jesus for years. He was defenseless, no protection from the devil. He was doomed to hurt and go to Christless hell with no hope at all. That's that guy. That's some vast majority of the world that we live in. That's where they are, lost without God, going to a devil's hell. But notice these burdened men. You know there's only two kinds of people in the world. There's, one, there's people in the cot and the one toting the cot. That's the only kind of people they are. These folks in it, and these guys carrying it. That's all there is. These boys, I think, were saved. I think in their heart, they knew they owed a debt to that man. We owe a debt. Paul owed a debt, and Paul owes a debt. I owe a debt. I believe I've got the gospel. i got a Bible. I know a little bit about it. What I know, I need to take it. Somebody that does not have it, so they'll have it, and they get saved just like me. I got a debt. They had a debt. They saw his misery. And they had seen the medicine. Glory to God. Do y'all realize Jesus can do anything? Do you believe that God, if you can get them to God and a Bible and the cross, God can save everybody alive? I believe that. I've seen God save folks. I was wondering if he could or not. They saw him, and they had tasted the medicine, and they shared the burden. These can't do it by themselves. Mitch and Tracy can't do it by themselves. Jason Holtz, one of the best missionaries I've met in my life. The church I pastored, we took him on when he was 12 years old, and Lori was probably nine. That's how young they looked when they showed up. I thought, Lord God, he ain't old enough to drive. Must let's be here on debutation. He's one of the best I know. And he can't do it without help. He can't do it without help. Whitfield Baptist Church doing a great job. 114 missionaries. Hallelujah. Lord, I saw them three pages. I didn't count them. I thought, Lord, that's a lot. That's wonderful. That's great. But we need, God, I dare say more. I mean, these need support. They really do to get to where they're going. And the only way they'll get it, if, if you and I take that faith promise card and say, God, what do you want me to give? And God will speak to your heart and say X amount of dollars. And you just say, oh, wow, amen, okay, and obey God. And that's how it works. They work together. They share the sweat. They shared the sacrifice if it cost any money. They shared all of that and the skill they had together. They shared all of that. And the best part about this is their name's not even given. 
Nobody knows them but God. I like that. I mean, your pastor's famous. Everybody knows Wayne Cofield. Ain't nobody ever heard of me. But God still let me do something. Most of the world's never heard of Mitch. Or his wife. That don't make a lick of difference. He'll get through and do stuff. And somebody, God knows where he's at. God knows what he wants to do. They not even notice their shoulder. They brought him. Every gospel says they brought him to Jesus. That's my job. That's your job. Get a lost world and bring them to God. But you notice when they got there, every time I read this and preach this, I'm amazed they wouldn't let him in. Lord, help. They wouldn't let him in. Can you believe that? Here's four guys. You got a picture of this. There's four men. With a sheet. I don't I think they just, I mean, you know. And each of them's got a corner of a sheet. And you got right there. I mean, he's got to look terrible. Can't walk or any of this stuff. He's laying in the cot, and you get to a door where Jesus is, and they just look at you like, well, okay. Sorry. Go home. I ain't got time. They wouldn't let me in. I can't imagine that. But on the same Oh, I can't imagine looking at these Peruvians and these Chileans and saying, okay, sorry, times are hard. Rent went up, phone bill went up, my power bill went up, and God, you, I'm just sure you can't help me at all. And I know y'all don't think like that. I've hung around here long enough to know and eat breakfast with some of these men and dinner with some of them. I know y'all don't think like that. We need to work together. We've got a burden. We've got to share it. No matter who's clogging the door, we've still got to get them to Jesus. Amen. They believed in Jesus Christ and he could save him. They had a personal faith that he could do that. They believed he could heal this man and this motivated them to get him to Jesus. Get him to God. That's what they did. I had an uncle, great uncle, my grandma's brother. His last name was Jenkins, and everybody just called him Jink. And he had a great old big scar from right there to right there because he was a bouncer in a bar, and a guy in a fight about cut his throat. And old Jink was mean, God help, rough as a cob, lived in an old house. He was a, a rabbit hunter, loved a rabbit hunter. He lived in an old house, and in that house with him was about 20 beagles. <laughs> now, beagles, hey, beagles don't stink like pigs, but they don't smell real good. Well, he'd stay drunk. Old Jink would drink and get drunk and live between Easel and Greenland. One day a Baptist preacher from Greenland went and knocked on Jink's door. Amen. That house stunk. We've been it stunk. Knocked on Jink's door, heard about him. Visited him, sat down in that old house with him. And went back home. A week or two went back by. Knocked on old Jink's door and talked to him. Went back home. One day old Jink, he talked Jink into going to church. So Jink went to church and maybe went three or four or five times. I'm not sure. One day the preacher come by Jink's house and come in there and sit down. And old Jink got down by a cat chair and he got saved. You know what done it? The Baptist preacher got a burden for good for nothing worthless, drunk, that needed God. I can remember your life, God. I, I, I can remember. If 
first time I saw Jink after he got saved. You know, people say, you know, your face changed and all that. Well, Jink didn't take baths much. Not, you know, some, not much. His face was just, it was clean. And I looked at him and I thought, wow. Smiled, quit drinking, started going to church, went preaching a while. Preach out a burden. Jink didn't, I mean, that's what I need, a personal burden for somebody that ain't got God. And they need God in Peru, Chile, wherever. I need a burden. I'm not standing up here saying, well, I got a great big one and you've got none. I'm saying we all need one. Not y'all, but all, everyone. I need a personal burden, a powerful one, and one that's public. Everybody saw these four crazy men carrying this guy to God. Everybody saw them. Everybody saw them. They were not ashamed of it, did not care. They're getting into God, getting to Jesus. And then they got there and they couldn't get in. If that had been me, I'd drop one in my corner and said, I'll fiddle with this. I'm going to the house. Had enough of it. Can't get in. Done my job. I got him out, but can't get in. I'm going home. They didn't do that. These guys are like a bulldog. They just took a bite and held on. Not going to let go. They said, we got it. Going to get him to God. Going to get him to God. When I could tell you stories all night long. I remember a little girl named Nicole that me and her fell in love with. First time I saw her, she was high on drugs. She didn't know when I got there and didn't know when I left. But I loved her. God helped. We both did. We loved that young one to death. She lived uh, probably two men, three maybe. But she'd come to church every once in a while. We'd go see her all the time, knock on her old trailer door and try to get her to come to church. And one Sunday night, she walked in, come down the front during invitation, and her and some women took her back in the bedroom, Sunday school room, and talked to her. And she come out and got me, and she said, Nicole says she can't get saved because she's, she's been too rough. She can't get saved. So I went back there and sat down with her, and I said, Hon, I said, ain't a stinking thing in the world you ever done that I ain't done. I said, God saved me 40-something years ago, and God will save you, and he did. Saved her that night, cleaned her up. She looked at us one day, and she said, Jim, when I get preaching, when I get married, I'm going to get married on your front porch. I said, glory to God, we'll do it. It's fair in love with this good guy, and I married him on the front porch. Me and her and them two and about four more. Amen. All you need is a burden. All you need is to give in a rip or folks go to hell or not and say, I'm going to do something about that. Find somebody, bring them to God. God's in that business. God likes us have a burden trying to get them to God because when we do that, God's going to say, praise God, they're going to do something. I'm going to save some of them. I really believe that because I know I'm nuts if I do. They were dogged and determined to get him to God. They persisted in bringing him. They used their ingenuity and they used their industry. I mean, I've, I've offered to pay people to come to church. I've knocked on doors and said, I'll give you $5 if you come for one service. I have. I don't care. I'd give them 100 if they come to church. God might say, I mean, who knows? I don't care. you got to get them or somewhere. Some folks, some folks ain't coming unless you do something stupid to get them there. I promise the guy could sing. Randy, I said, if you come to church, I'll let you sing. He come, and I thought, oh, God, he's going to sing. <laughs> but he didn't want to. <laughs> Thank God for that. My songwriter shot, shot me. 
Y'all know what I'm talking about. You've got to get them back some way or the other. You've got to get them to church. They knew God could heal him. So they went up there on the roof where all that mortar and tar and ashes and all that stuff's at and timbers padded up and thistles and grass about two foot deep. I stood about two foot deep of that stuff. They just tore it up. <laughs> I love it. Hey, care. They didn't ask whose it is. Could we do this? They said, this man is getting to God today. They did. <laughs> love it. Lord, how much. We need more people like it. Just don't really give a rip. Don't care. Just get them to God. Amen. If you bring them in, he'll preach and he'll get saved. They will. If you don't believe that, you need to read this. You get them in here, they list him preach that Bible with that power. They'll get saved. You say they ain't yet? Well, hold on. Hold on. They will. I mean, I didn't get saved at 24, and I never given my mother one inkling I'd ever get saved, ever. Then one day I just got saved. Hold on. That's what they did. They tore that roof up. Nathan Hale, one of our war heroes, said, I can't do everything, but I can do something. What I can do, I ought to do, and by God's grace, I will do. That ought to be us. Some things you can do, some folks you can see to get them to God that nobody else can, but you can. When I took Mile Creek and he wasn't hardly nobody there, and my our kids were going to our kids going to Christian school, so I'd get them in the car early in the morning, she'd go to work. I'd get them in the car early in the morning, and there's a convenience store about two and a half miles from our house. So I'd go in there and get a cup of coffee, and I got a pair of warm-ups on, t-shirt. A baseball cap, I don't look like no preacher you've ever seen. I'd go in and get him a cup of coffee. I'd take him 45 minutes to Anderson, come back. I'd go in there and get me another cup of coffee. I'd just sit out, talk to rednecks about two hours. Done that every morning. And I realized, in my mind, I realized that everybody in Six Mile come by Durham's Grocery at least once a week. God, just went in there and sat, talked to everybody. They'd say, you really the preacher down there? I said, yeah. Can I tell you, just short, the two girls that owned it, they both got saved. One of them, her husband got saved. By now, eventually, all her kids got saved. And I led one of them's kids, son-in-law, to the Lord on the steps of the church years later. One of the other sisters, three sisters, one of the sisters got saved. Her husband got saved. He's pastor in Antioch Baptist Church. Very pace. He's up there. They all got saved in Durham's grocery. Drinking coffee. Drinking coffee. After all them girls got saved, I never bought another cup of coffee. They said, preacher, drink all the coffee you want. I never bought a paper. They said, get the paper. You can have the paper. They'd hire, they'd hire new people. I'd go in there and get a big old cup of coffee, and I'd watch them girls because I wouldn't pay for it. I'd just sit out and drink it, walk out, and it'd follow me out. Like, Who is that? One of them girls, one of the best friends I got. Really? It ain't hard. I mean, I ain't smart. God, y'all seen me three or four times. I ain't not, I'm not that smart. I don't I think God's leaving somebody that's got a heart in those people. Now, a lot of them come through there, didn't look too good. They look like lost people, smell like lost people, talk like lost people. But that's what lost people do. They had a burden that got him to God. They brought him to the Lord. 
So they tear the roof up, roof shot. And you realize you got to get them matching this. That roof's tore up. So all this tar and mortar and all these old leaves and junk has got to be falling on the people in there, wouldn't it? When you ain't gonna saw it and take it off and it's just gonna be a hole. I mean, they ain't do it like it's all this stuff's falling. If a son of God ever smiled, it was an end. Because everybody out there looking up, thinking, "What are they doing? They tearing the roof up? Who are these? Cra- who are these crazy people?" But it says in there, Jesus saw. He saw. Of course, he knew they were up there. He's God, didn't he? He's God. He knew they were up there. He saw those four guys that loved that guy. He saw them. Then he saw them let him down. And there he lays. There he lays. And there's Jesus. Just laying on the cot. <laughs> Jesus saw his body. And in his heart, he saw, boy, those guys never did ever give up. They never, ever give up. He looked at them and thought they never quit. Even when the door was blocked, they couldn't get in. They didn't go home. They must really love that guy. But I love, I, we love our son. We love our daughter. I would never give up on Jesus. Never. I put him to bed drunk. Laid him to his bedroom high on dope. Went in there Sunday morning and said, son, we're going to go to church. I was going to jail to preach at a prison. I said, Jim, be, back, be at church. I'd come back from preaching at the prison, skip him, get out of bed, and say, son, get your clothes on. Preaching time, he'd stagger in the back door. Old baseball cap on, probably a pair of shorts. But you know that church loved him? They didn't get mad at me and didn't get mad at him. I didn't care what he looked like. He was there. Who cares? I mean, who cares? They get saved and clean up. Ain't gonna clean up before they get saved. I made sinners. Lord help. They're lost. I didn't care. He wasn't the only one coming looking like that. I don't just get them there. God will clean them up. All we got to do is catch them. Amen. So they let him down. And, and Jesus, he does the, the great thing. He looks at him and says, my son. I like that. That's me. That's you if you're saved. I'm his son. He loves me and he loves you. He looked at that guy and said, my son, your sins are gone. And he felt good then because his sins were gone. Then they started bickering these, you know, Pharisees, whatever. They back, back then, they still around. Still here. Jesus, the only people Jesus got mad at was Pharisees and Sadducees. He loved sinners. Hallelujah. So he said, okay, fellow. And so he gave them a proof. He commanded him to rise up. And I keep thinking, he can't get up. He paralyzed, right? They brought him. And Jesus just looks at him. It's okay. Take up your bed, roll it up, put him in your and get up. That guy just gets up. And I think that, you know. God's telling us to give so much for faith promise and we're thinking, oh, can't. And all Jesus said, give it. I'll take care of it. I got it. I got it. You give it. I got it. I'll give it through you. I got it. That's what he said. That's what he said. So he got up in the crowd said, we've never seen it like this. Never seen it like this in our lives. And they all glorified God. I bet the biggest one glorifying God is that guy that got out of cot. I'll guarantee you got out of cot. He didn't get up moaning around. He got up glorifying God. I bet he hugged the neck of Jesus. I would have. Lord help. I'd have hugged him all wherever he went that night. I'd been right behind him. I bet he looked them four guys and said, thank you, fellas. Oh, Ralph, I told you about Sunday. Oh, Ralph thinks I'm the greatest thing ever lived. He does. He'll tell people, that preacher saved me. 
Dr. Ralph, I didn't. God did. He said, but you got right. You think I'm great. She went to work at a factory while I was in Bible college. And uh, working with this girl that I went to high school with. And uh, she was rough. And, and she, this girl had a desk. So my wife would write Bible verses. And open her desk, put the Bible verse in the desk, shut the door. Well, Brenda would go to work, open that door, and there'd be a Bible verse she'd throw in the plane tray. Well, she got drunk one day and called us about 3 o'clock in the morning. Drunker than a skunk. And uh, we didn't know, she talked to her. Went to work the next day, and Brenda, oh, she's apologized. I'm sorry, Lord, I'm sorry. So she asked my wife, said, what can I do to make up for waking all up, calling you drunk? We just had revival that week. Coincidence, by the way. God didn't have anything to do with that. We had revival that week. So my wife looked at her and said, only thing you can do is come to church. She said, I ain't going to church. I don't like church. I'm not going. So she looked at her and said, well, that's tough. That's all you can do to make up for calling. Go to church. Next day, she said, all right, I'll go to church. So, I mean, I mean I, she knew me before I got saved. So all the way, she went to church that night. Boy, she was squirming in the pew and all that. But she went, come back. All the way back, she's in the back seat, smoking one cigarette after another, scared to death, and looks at punching me on the shoulder. She said, Jim, is there really anything to this? So I tell her, you know, God, because I don't know nothing. Anyway, then, so God saved me, and I tried to tell her that. Come back the next night. She said, I'm going to go back. And you know what that preacher, I learned a great lesson tonight. She come back the second time. You know what he preached on? You'd never get the qualification for a pastor. And I'm sitting there in that pew thinking, the qualification of a pastor? This girl's lost and going to hell, and you're preaching on the conditions of a pastor. What's wrong with you? I really did. As soon as the invitation comes, there she went. Long story short, Brenda got saved that night. She looked at me, and she's raised in the mountains. I mean, I was raised in the country. She's further back in the sticks than I was. She looked at us one day and said, I believe God wants me to go Bob Jones. I said, Brenda, wait a minute. I said, hold on. Just don't, don't get crazy in there. She went to Bob Jones four years, graduated, spent 30 years in the Philippines as a missionary. 30 years. Beat cancer once. She's still a member of the home church we go to right now. I said, when I'm home, I see her every Sunday. Brenda Garen, all you need is a burden. I mean, really, all you need is a burden. And you're sitting there asking, how do you get one? I'm going to tell you how you get one. You got to go where they are. You got to go where they are. You don't get a burden. It's great. I mean, I love church. I love church. I like coming. But, you, 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 but to get a burden, somebody go out. You got to go outside these doors. She said when she went to Chile, God spoke to her heart. She went down there. They went to Peru. You got, you got to go where they are. You say, how do we do that? Well, we tried visitation on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. No, no, it worked. It worked for about a month. It did for probably 15 years. No day, just worked. So one day God said, Jim, won't you do this? Get your map of six miles, which ain't that big. Get your map of six miles and just doing yellow roads. So what I did is I got all Sunday school teachers. Got them in. I got them in the fellowship building. I said, fellas, and I, I, I got a piece of paper. God told me to do this. I, I just blame it. He did. I ain't that smart. So I got a piece of paper. I wrote down what how much time you spend working, sleeping, eating. I even put down to use it on the toilet. How much time on vacation. How much time, everything. How much time you spent doing 
so much on a, in a month. I did that. And you got a lot of time left over. I mean, a bunch of time left over. So I looked at all the Sunday school teachers, and I did not tell them, you've got to do this. I said, listen, I did worse than that. I looked at them, and I said, can you give God one hour a month? I shamed the daylights out of them. Because who's going to say no? And you can. It's easy. I said, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to give you a piece of paper. The road in six miles, you got a month to do it. If you get prospects, you bring them to me. If you want to go back, you go back. I'll go back. Whatever you want to do, we'll do it that way. When you get done with that one, we'll have a meeting every month. You bring that road back, I'll give you another boat, and we've done that. We covered a five-mile radius of Mile Creek Baptist Church every year for probably 12 years. Five-mile radius, we're not every year. And that's when people started coming. needs a burden. But you got to leave here to get the burden. Can't stay here. You'll get fired up and excited about the burden. But you get it. You, you get it outside. You get encouraged from here and you get outside. People would come up to me and they'd say, Preacher, that family back there in the back, I saw them last Sunday. I'd say, Really? And then some of them get saved and they think, Lord, help. You know, you couldn't give them $1,000. There'd been no happiness. These four guys had a burden. The lost. And I'm sure you do. I'm sure I'm talking to the cream of the crop right now. But sometimes we need encouragement about doing what God wants us to do. And let me say this if you're praying with somebody that ain't saved yet, for God's sake, don't give up. For God's sake, don't give up. They sang that through the valley. He's still with us. If we lived up here all the time, it wouldn't be any fun and we wouldn't grow at all. Learn nothing, see nothing, have no faith at all. If it's always up here, sometimes you're down here. Sometimes you think you're living down here. I've been, we've been there at least once or twice. You think you're, you want to set up camp down there in the valley. But God knows what he's doing. God loves you. If there's sinners that lost out God, God loves them just like he loved you for you would say. So don't, don't ever give up on anybody. When they quit breathing, that, that'd be okay. But until then, never, ever give up. Keep your burden to get right with God. And I know some of you are sitting there saying, you are out of your ever-loving mind. You don't know where I'm at. I don't know where you're at, but I know where we've been. I do. And it wasn't good wasn't at all. For years, it wasn't good at all. God knows what he's doing. That song said he's sovereign over all. And I ain't no Calvinist, but he is sovereign. That's my God. He loves you. He ain't give up on you. He ain't mad at you. And you ain't sinned so bad that he ain't going to love you no more. You ain't done that. Hang in there with it. Don't quit. Keep your burden. Get them in here. That man right there will preach this book. And one day you'll want to run around and take a few laps around here because you'll find them down here getting right with God. If you give up, you ain't going to see that. Father, we love you. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Father, help us to have a burden. For God, it help us to keep it until they get right with God and believe and trust that that day's coming. In Jesus' name, amen.